0: the whole idea of sharing your partner implies that you own your partner and that they're yours to share and for me i don't like that that whole thought of you know it's it's me sharing my partner it's more like you know we're we're sharing ourselves with other people
1: this is frisky
0: north of 60
1: we bring you stories about love, love and dating in, dating in the, the north, north. I'm your host, Karen McCall, and I'm joined by co host, Jordan Patrick. We're recording in Whitehorse, Yukon, north of the 60th parallel. Where it's winter, seven whole months of the year. And where it's a skill to learn to have sex in snowshoes. It sure is. All right, hello, lovers in the north, and anybody else joining us here today. Um, For my first guest today, I have my friend, Mike, who came in to talk about open relationships. Whoa, I'm excited to hear about this. <laughs> you know, um, Mike has got such an open, honest way of talking about this. And he describes his journey. And um, I'm really grateful for that because it really speaks to, I think, for a lot of people who don't understand what open relationships are, um, it really gives you a window in someone's personal um, anecdotes and thoughts and feelings and how he got there. Yeah, I'm very impressed that uh, you found a guest and someone who is willing to share so candidly. That's it's great. Yeah, no, it really was. I think it's a voice that needs to be heard. All voices need to be heard. Um, it, we also talk about the power of men's work as well uh, in men's support organizations. So and is there a connection between the open relationships and the men's? Men's group. Everything is connected, Carrie. <laughs> Good. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. As listeners, you will you will hear for yourselves um, that you know relational skills and self work go hand in hand, especially hmm. in open relationships. Right. Okay. Well, I'm excited to hear more about it. And also, as another note, if you haven't already listened to our previous episode of Polyamory One Hundred and One. Um, take a moment, have a listen. It is a great introduction to some of the ideas that Mike and I will talk about in our interview today. And will kind of lay a foundation for listeners who haven't heard anything about open relationships or polyamory, as well as those who already have some knowledge, but there's some great resources that Karen Um, And myself, we share in that episode. So have a listen. If you haven't already, it's not a super long episode. And then dive into Mike's interview here. Here we go. How are you doing today, Mike? Oh, I'm doing well.
0: How are you doing, Jordan?
1: Very good, very good. And I'm gonna start off with what I'd like to call the frisky frenzy. So I'm just gonna shoot a bunch of questions and just answer whatever comes to mind first. And you can answer, yeah, whatever you
0: like. So- Okay, I'm ready.
1: All right, how long you been in the UConn for?
0: Uh, almost 30 years. Um, what's your line of work? I do IT consulting right now. I used to, well, I mean, when I first moved here, I was just looking for anything, and I was doing data entry for Kerr Resources, actually. Cool. Which was the big mine in, in Farrow when it was running. Summer or winter? I moved here in, well, I moved here for the summer in 89, left, and then came back after I finished my degree and moved here in December 1990. hmm Um, pretty much full-time after that
1: in a partner do you look for adventurous or more of a home homebody
0: adventurous definitely adventurous
1: tall or short
0: uh it doesn't matter actually i've dated tall people and short people i like both slim voluptuous or athletic i prefer
1: athletic Um, cuddles or kinks both
0: Definitely both. <laughs> Preferably you at the same me. time.
1: <laughs> um, maybe just to give listeners an idea of the, um, and I'm assuming you identify as a man, um, gender-wise, maybe you give us an idea of your age, your gender, sexuality, and what pronoun you prefer for me to use for you.
0: I'm in my 50s. I am identified as a male, identify as he or him, and definitely heterosexual, yes.
1: Okay. Um, so this is a podcast about dating and love and relationships in the North. Um, and so let's start off by you sharing what is maybe your best and worst dates in the Yukon. Let's start with like the juicy worst date. I, I don't know why. Let's go for that.
0: Sure. Yeah. I haven't had a lot of like really bad dates, but it's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine today and she reminded me about five years ago, this date that we had, um, that was Probably up there for one of the weirdest dates that I went on. I was, I had my hip replaced five years ago or six years ago, and um, we first met. We we met on Tinder, I think, and it was probably three weeks after my hip surgery. So I was on crutches, and um, we met in a playground at, at a school and just chatted there. And I had to walk on crutches to get around, and and it was just, I was just kind of pathetic, I think, because I was. <laughs> I was in pain the whole time. I was walking on crutches, and uh, we actually went on three dates in total. But um, it didn't really go anywhere. But the cool thing is that we're friends now. So we actually went skiing today.
1: <laughs> so you can talk about. <laughs> so we can stuff. talk about this. Did you tell her that you had your hip replaced on the date?
0: Oh, she knew that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. And uh, and so since then, like. Um, I know you uh, fairly well, and like you're really into outdoor adventure and sports. So, I, when I ask you about best date, I have a hunch that mm, you might share like maybe some sort of outdoor adventure date. But I don't know what comes to mind.
0: Um, well, the one that came to mind actually, we'll get into a bit more about um, the, my relationships uh, types as well. Um, and it was a really protracted kind of first date because it went on for a couple of weeks so my current partner and I met a couple um, maybe a year and a half ago and we decided we would get together and um, explore our relationship with the four of us and we went on several walks and we talked a lot about it we talked about boundaries, we talked about Um, possibilities. Um, There's all this anticipation building up. And then finally, after about two weeks of this, we actually got together and had a date where we went to their place. They made us dinner and we just hung out for like 12 hours and just had this most amazing experience. So that was probably the the most interesting and exciting date for me.
1: Wow. Sounds like it really worked out in the end.
0: It did. It was was a wonderful date. We ended up maybe going on four or five dates in total. And then It kind of ended um, in in a good positive way but it it didn't continue but that was kind of getting my partner and I on a path to exploring that a lot more.
1: Are you open to maybe sharing a bit why you think it didn't really work out or is it very circumstantial?
0: Um, I would say it's probably more circumstantial I don't really know why it didn't work out it just kind of petered out I guess Mm. and um, there's a lot of good energy there but I think there's a lot of life changes that were happening with the other couple and so they kind of pull back and wanted to focus more on on their lives and mm-hmm. and um, not so much explore this type of relationship at this moment but they mm-hmm. they have left it open for the future.
1: Awesome. So like when like I'm really curious about this and you know we're talking about open relationships um essentially like two couples coming together and um, you mentioning boundaries right away like what kind of boundaries did you guys talk about on these walks uh, when you were getting to know one another and kind of getting a feel for a connection
0: yeah that's a good question because it's such an important thing and especially when you have two couples coming together um, spontaneity was definitely not on the table so we basically talked a lot about what what was on the table and, and because there's other people involved so it couldn't just be like let's just go with whatever because you can't do that when there's, you know, two other people outside of one connection that could be involved and potentially impacted by it. So, um, I mean, boundaries. We didn't. It turned out we didn't have a lot of boundaries. Um, safe sex was definitely on the on there, and we talked a lot about that. And we talked about respect and communication, and mm-hmm. just um, just how how we would all interact. Mm. Yeah.
1: Was it hard to communicate boundaries for you or did you notice it was difficult
0: for anybody else? Like, I would normally have trouble with that kind of uh, communication, but the, the other guy in, in, the, um, in the four of us, he was really open and really excited about talking about everything. So he kind of led the charge and it made it a lot easier because he was really open and easy to talk to. And so um, the, the whole conversation kind of flowed quite naturally and it was it was it was really it felt really safe and comfortable.
1: Yeah, I feel like like these are skills, right? Like being able to talk openly in communication. Like, you know, no one goes on a first date and just completely is able to feel like put the other person at ease, make them feel safe and open up themselves. And I feel like the dynamic of like not just one other person you're getting to know, but like, you know, three other people all trying to get to know one another at once. There was probably like you know uh, a friendship or an interest or a foundation to start with. This is obviously like somewhere further along the journey for you in terms of, of dating and relationships. And I'm I'm just really curious if you're open to talking about that journey a bit for yourself. I mean, did you always know you were interested in having like open or experimental or like different relationship forms?
0: Uh, no, I didn't even really know much about open relationships. Um, it kind of fell into my lap. And and then as I explored it, it, um, it just felt more natural. And um, I guess there was, I had a couple of open relationships in the past before my current partner, and they kind of set the groundwork and the foundation for it, which made it easier to, to talk about. And yeah, a lot of practice. And like, do you, you talk about skills and communication? um skills or practice or just you know being open and and accepting that you can be open so just having the opportunity to practice a lot and i had a really good relationship a few years ago it was an open it was a quasi open relationship and my partner was super good at communicating and really pushed my boundaries in terms of communication and um and that really helped me a lot. She would never say I don't know, as a, she would never take I don't know as a, as an answer to any question that I have that she ever asked me. Mm-hmm. And she would just push me and push me until I, you know, opened up and got in touch with my feelings. So I really appreciated that about that relationship that we had.
1: This journey, right? This getting more comfortable with being able to, for one, get in touch with yourself and your own feelings, and being able to communicate what boundaries are for you and communicate like what your feelings are and what you want what was coming up for you at those times like that discomfort you were talking about like where was the I don't know coming from
0: I guess it just kind of grew from my my upbringing and my um, my past like I never really was comfortable talking about my feelings or sharing my thoughts and um, so I would just kind of dodge those kind of questions all the time and and you know, I was in a—I was married for quite a few years, and I got into that pattern and that habit in my in my marriage, and and um, never really, there's never really any challenge to me to to expand that, and so I, I fell into that pattern, and and then it, it took practice and um, prodding from a few of my close friends and and partners to get me out of that, and I'm you know it, it was it was good for me because I really feel like it helped me open up and. And develop myself a lot more by opening up.
1: Mm. And so you said earlier, like that the possibility of open relationships just kind of fell into your lap. there. Where did that come from?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it. I mean, it started quite a while ago, um, and I. Um, but I guess where it really hit me, or where I really experienced it, was I went to Burning Man six years ago. And met a woman there, and uh, and we basically hung out together at the, for the the week that I was there, and she was in an open relationship at, back home in Toronto, and she actually had several partners. She wasn't she didn't have any really primary partners, but she was in several open relationships, and she introduced me to the idea, and we really connected and 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 became really good friends, and we actually went on a holiday to the Caribbean together after that, um, and the next year she invited me to join her camp at Burning Man and so I did and then you know I've been back to that same camp with those same people every year since then and I visited her several times in Toronto since then as well and we just become really good friends and she kind of took it upon herself to push the idea of open relationships upon me and so at Burning Man we'd go to workshops on open relationships and we'd talk about it and she would just share her experiences with it and, and it just grew more naturally and then I don't know, a couple of years after that, I entered into a relationship here in Whitehorse with a friend of mine who was also into open relationships who actually told me, I quote, Mon- monogamous relationships are stupid. <laughs> and and, and we, we were together for about a year and a half or so. And But we were in a closed relationship in Whitehorse, but we were both open to the idea of being in open relationships when we were traveling. So when we traveled outside of the Yukon, we could be open. But in Whitehorse, we decided to to be closed because it was a small community. So it was kind of an introduction for me to being in open relationships.
1: So so this, this, this wonderful woman you met at Burning Man and this friend of yours who um, who is also in open relationships, both were pushing like those ideas that way of living was pushed. Where do you think they're coming from there? Why are monog- why does monogamy not work for some people?
0: I'm not entirely sure about any of that. Like, I've read some books. There's some great books out there. Um, Any you want to plug in right here? There's um, Sex at Dawn is a really good primer into open relationships and why biologically and anthropologically we are programmed that way. And so I think that's a great place to go as a starting point. Um, There's a few other books, and there's more and more coming out. The Ethical Slut, I think, was was one of the textbooks for uh, Um, open relationships for a long time, Um, but there's more and more stuff coming out there, more podcasts, more books, and I'm not even sure what all is out there anymore, but way more than there was when I first was introduced into it. It
1: it does seem to be, there, there seems to be more people talking about it and being more open about the idea of open relationships and why they are just, like, so freeing for so many people, you know, who feel very restrained and, you know, stuck in... these serial monogamous relationships.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like a classic example is you know you meet somebody that you're kind of interested in, but you're already in a relationship and that all of a sudden then you have to make a choice of, am I going to leave the person that I'm with now because this other person is so intriguing? Hmm. Or do I get to stay with my existing partner and explore a relationship with this other person? So, I mean, it's almost like it's a more comfortable and safe place to be in an open relationship because you know that you know, when you find somebody that you're interested in um, romantically, sexually, whatever, you can talk to your partner about it and say, "Hey, there's this person that I'm interested in," and I say, "Oh yeah, well, you know, why don't you go explore that and see where it goes," as opposed to just that relationship then all of a sudden being in trouble because there's somebody else that you're interested in. So that's 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 an, an interesting way of of looking at why it it feels safer sometimes to be in an open relationship because you have that option to explore and if you have a close friend that is of the opposite gender or or not and that you're interested in them you can also explore your feelings with that person and you know I've, I've gone there as well where you know I have a really close friend and it's like you just become more and more intimate over time and eventually oh what happens when you cross that line and and it can be quite nice actually when you have a close friend and all of a sudden you're a close friend and a lover with that person and and it feels natural and that's that's kind of a beautiful place to be. Open
1: relationships. What are they like if you were going to define them? Because I feel like there's a lot of different words out there that I think a lot of people think mean the same thing.
0: Yeah, well, there, there's a lot of and I'm not an expert on this at all. But my my limited understanding, like, I mean, 60s and 70s, we had this term called swingers and that was kind of the what most people thought of as as open relationships was just, you know, swapping partners. And then there's polyamory, which is kind of the other side of the spectrum where you actually experience loving more than one person at once. And open relationships, I think, is just kind of an umbrella term that captures all of that, where there's so many different configurations of open relationships that I've encountered. I've met um, quads where there's two couples who live together and interact together and like the four of them are in a living situation into sexual relationships with each other and then there's, you know, primary couples who will um, each date other people but there's the other primaries and they have their peripheral partners. Um, then there's solo poly, which I've just recently learned a little bit more about where there's people who will have multiple partners but won't actually commit on a long term to any of them and will just and will, you know, live on their own and, and live as if they're living on their own, but they'll have partners outside of their home and there's just so many different configurations and that's one of the cool things about it is you can kind of fit your relationships to what makes what works for you as opposed to you know traditional monogamous relationships there's really only one model and it seems more and more it's not working for most people
1: mm. just by learning more about these different words how people could find maybe a community or can find a definition that maybe describes what they want for themselves in their life and i i could could see there being some value with like you know obviously taking the time to figure out what it is one wants but then being like yeah like very open about what it is what kind of relationship style you want if it's um you know solo poly you know like I guess what comes to mind is like, oh, well, casual, a ca- somebody who's looking for something casual could come across as like very, I don't know, some people might use the term like slutty or, or, you know, oh, they're just a player or something. But I mean, this is a chosen lifestyle. And I mean, to have respect, I think, is uh, self-respect as well as respect for others. Like it's a life choice.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the thing about self-respect and about openly communicating where you are and like not not being a player by kind of being dishonest about what mm. you want, but actually sharing like, hey, this is what I am. And if you want to interact with me, we can do that as long as you understand, you know, where I'm coming from. And I think that's mm. I don't I don't know if that would be considered unethical. I mean, ethical non monogamy is another term that's used in um, in open relationships as well. I don't know. I I feel that as long as people are open about where they are and and people who jump into relationships with people are doing it with their eyes open, I think then go for it. You know, whatever works for both people is, is great. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, it can change, too. Like, you could be in one type of relationship and then that can evolve as well. Like, you can be in, I don't know, like, maybe you're just in an open relationship where you have a primary partner and you can kind of have other partners on the side. but then you meet somebody and you kind of invite them into your circle to be part of your primary circle, mm-hmm. and the, and that you can evolve and change depending on what you want, and you can go from that maybe to separating and becoming solo poly, which I, you know a friend of mine did as well, and and it keeps moving into different different ways of of interacting. It really depends on where you are in your life and what has worked for you. I love talking
1: about ideas in general, and I, let's just bring this into where we are, Whitehorse, Yukon. What is the what is the dating scene here like from your perspective?
0: Um, I would say it's a pretty small pool. Um, I don't know a lot of people who really know about it or are interested in it. Um, it's definitely there's no large community that I know of that is in that scene. Like Vancouver, I've got a lot of friends in Vancouver, and there's there's a lot of People in that in that scene, and it's easy to meet people in that scene and connect and meet people through other people. Uh, Whitehorse, I've met a few people who are into it and know about it, but it's it's pretty close. And of course, you know, we're in COVID times right now, so people are even less likely to want to to date, even never mind be in, an, in open relationships. So it's it's kind of a a challenging time to be in an open relationship if you're looking for new partners.
1: Oh, just so I could see the like exponential um difficulties if people aren't communicating openly and being honest right and so there's a lot of trust involved already in during non-covid times in open relationships i imagine
0: yeah i think so i mean one of the cool things i think to be successful in open relationships is communication is really important so i i believe i like to believe that people who are Experience with open relationships are already better at communicating, and so those those conversations happen sooner and more easily. Mm-hmm. And um, and I know that for me personally, like those conversations are much easier now because I've had more practice, because I've had to have more practice just to be successful in in my primary relationship. Because when you're in open relationships, your primary partner is really important, and you really want to make sure that you're. In my case, anyway, my primary partner is comfortable and happy and feeling safe with and vice versa, that I'm always safe with what she wants to do. And so we do have a lot of communication and we, we, we schedule communication um, so that we talk about what's going on in our lives. And that's important. So, so when, when you know, we're, we have issues about health and safety, we can bring those up and talk about them as well.
1: Scheduled communication. Like, what are the hardest challenges? Like, what are the biggest challenges you see with open relationships?
0: um making sure that everybody involved is comfortable and on the same page and and feeling safe and like for example um my partner might have another partner that she's excited about and she has this new relationship energy and and that's exciting and i could feel left out because she's excited about this new person she's spending time with them and maybe i don't have a partner at that point and so i'm feeling oh I can feel kind of sorry for myself and sad that, you know, I'm being left out and she has a partner or vice versa. And, and so that can happen, especially in a small town where it is hard to meet people. Mm-hmm. And, um, but at the same time, you know, we are very open with each other and we're very respectful with each other. So we know what's going on. So we are also sharing how we feel and, and we can help each other get through those difficult times and, and, um, and support each other.
1: Hmm. Wow, that's beautifully said. Coming from, um, like most of my life, you know, mostly monogamous relationships, um, the idea of opening things up um, can be really challenging for some people. And frightening. Like insecurity and jealousy being maybe the first two things. Like, what do you mean, like, you share your partner with someone else and, oh, they share their partner with you? Like, I think... A lot of people would recoil from even letting their mind go down that way. And so what would you say to that? Like someone who's just like, oh, that's never for me. And, you know, I I imagine like we respect people's preferences, but that's sort of like gut, like, you know, knee jerk reaction.
0: Yeah, I mean, the whole idea of sharing your partner implies that you own your partner and that they're yours to share. And for me, I don't like that that whole thought of, you know, it's, it's me sharing my partner. It's more like, you know, we're, we're sharing ourselves with other people and uh, we're, we're, we're open to our partners sharing themselves as well, as opposed to, well, I own that person and I'm allowing that person or I'm allowing somebody else to also use that person. Like, I don't like that, that whole Mm -hmm. approach really, because it's not, it's not, it's not what it is. It's more that we're, we're just open to each other exploring intimacy and relationships with other people and we're we're allowing each other that freedom of of expression
1: mm. it sounds like just this freedom to exchange the gifts that we're given allowing someone to be themselves and i say allowing it's more like well it sounds like in open relationships that it's it's, there's a sort of shared happiness in allowing someone or encouraging someone to be themselves and share their gifts with others.
0: Well, and let's talk about the term compersion, which is a term that's used in open relationships. Yeah. And that is basically the definition is the joy that you experience from your partner being happy with somebody else. Yeah. I mean, that's not maybe not the exact definition of it, but I've actually experienced that a few times where you know i have seen my partner you know intimately with somebody else and feeling happy that she is experiencing that 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 experience because i i can see that she's happy and excited and and feeling good in that in that situation and that makes me feel happy i also feel jealousy sometimes like it's not it's not easy to to do that all the time but for the most part you know and it's it's a nice feeling to to have that trust with my partner that we can be with others and um, and still know that we're you know we're gonna be with each other at home later and and just experience and and be able to share those experiences with each other as well like to talk about them with each other
1: hmm tell me about a time you were jealous and how you dealt with that
0: yeah so um there was a time I didn't have a partner at the time and my partner was was scheduled to go on a date, and um, and I thought, oh, and I don't have any partners. There's nobody who I'm even currently talking to about about seeing seeing. And she's got this person she's excited about and going on a date with. And so I was feeling kind of down about it. Um, and I actually I talked I I uh, talked to some of my friends about it. Like I was with some friends at the time, and we we had a conversation about it and. And just, just sharing that and unloading it and not even asking for advice because they weren't really in the same page, but just having the opportunity to talk to somebody and share it with them and distraction as well. But but talking to somebody really helps because then it it, um, it kind of unloads it off my consciousness because if it's just in my brain and it's in my head, it just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning and then it just gets worse. But when I'm talking to somebody about it, it's not as big. And, um, and jealousy usually doesn't, Last that long, like if I can share it and get it out in the open, it usually goes away. Like it sounds
1: like I love I love the way you describe that because it sounds as though like you're you're owning and you're taking responsibility of these feelings yourself, wh- which makes me think about something else that um, I know about you: um, men's work or just in general self work. Um, did you want to maybe speak to? maybe a bit of that journey for you? Because I know that you're involved in men's work and and, uh, what is it? And how did you get into it?
0: Yeah, actually, it's interesting how I got into it. But I've been involved in various men's support organizations for several years now. And uh, locally, I've been part of the same men's group for almost a year now. And it's a wonderful experience where men can get together and and talk about issues in, in our lives and, and share about those. And men's work is really dealing with the stuff that men have trouble talking about, relationships, sex, um, even work issues. Men in general aren't very good at opening up in an intimate way and being vulnerable. So men's work is about getting in touch with that that side of ourselves and really focusing on past traumas from childhood, from our interactions with our parents, especially our fathers, and just learning how to grow up and be men in the society and there's a couple organizations out there, there's the Samurai Brotherhood and the Mankind Project who have a lot of um, groups around North America and the world where men can get together and and share these ideas and they really promote that so I I got involved with the Mankind Project about two and a half years ago um, through somebody who knew about the organization and I started looking into it and actually Went to a my first meeting when I was in California right after I broke up with one of my girlfriends, um, so it was like the day after we broke up, and I had this meeting arranged. So I went to the meeting, and they took me in and saw that I was in distress, and they really took care of me. And it was it was a beautiful experience. And since then, I've been on several workshops with them and and meetings, and then I joined this group in Whitehorse, which is a different. Different version of the same thing. It's called the Samurai Brotherhood, which really is a very similar type of organization, and it, it's really positive because it really gets men in touch with men and helps them to to um, to be vulnerable and to express their feelings. and And that has really helped me deal with a lot of stuff and be a better partner for you know for my partner um, and and to be kind of easier to be around, I guess, because I have an outlet for, for all those emotional issues in my life.
1: Mm, sounds very powerful. So what would you say, Mike, to uh, someone who's listening? It could be any gender who feels like they want to get into some kind of community, a supportive community that can hold the space in order for them to share the things that are they're having trouble with and struggling with. What what words would you say to someone who's just either hesitant or maybe in denial, like, I don't have issues? It's always the other person's fault.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the men's groups are a great place to go if there are some available and if there are spaces available for them to join because they try to keep them fairly small. Like They usually try to keep them around 10 to 15 members just because otherwise they get too big and unwieldy. I know that um, in Whitehorse we have one group now, but I'm thinking about branching out and starting another group because there's just too much demand and our group is full. And I think that this is such powerful work. I think we need more and more people to to get involved in this work and, and join these groups. But also, I mean, find a friend that you trust and just, just bite the bullet and um, just take a breath and say, you know, I have something really important I need to talk about. And are you willing to listen? And... And if they are, then go for it. And, and you know, but prefacing it with, you know, I really need to talk to some somebody about this really personal stuff. And it, it can be liberating. And it's, it's amazing how easy it becomes after you've done it a few times and to just let that out and let it and let it out into into somebody else's um, space and they can absorb it and that you don't need them to fix your problem all you need to do is have them hear you and i think that's key and especially men love to fix problems and and you you can say what you want from them as well like i just need you to listen i don't need you to solve this or i i need some advice or you know whatever you need from them but um just let it let it out and just and see where it takes you Mm,
1: yeah because some people don't necessarily want unsolicited advice And it could be already overwhelming enough just to share, you know?
0: Yeah. Maybe you don't need advice. Maybe you just want to share it Mm. and you just want somebody to listen and somebody to give you a hug afterwards or whatever.
1: Yeah. I'm just picturing you showing up to this meeting after you'd split with your ex partner and and then they held the space for you. How did you feel coming out of that? And what were your kind of thoughts around the power of men's work?
0: I was blown away. Like I went to this meeting not knowing anybody there. Like this was in California, and I showed up this you know displaced Canadian who just broke up with his girlfriend, didn't have any friends in California, or in that town that I was in, and they took me in and they saw that you know I was a priority for that meeting, and so um, they they did a lot of work with me, and um, it, it was it was incredible. Like they, they spent half. It was a one and a half hour meeting, and I I got a, one, a like a half hour of their time in. In dealing with this and it was beautiful and it inspired me and I, I signed up for a weekend training with them and then signed up with them for some other training and since then I've taken a lot of courses with the Mankind Project in terms of learning how to run those meetings and so I'm ready now to start running my own meetings and I'm excited about that because I want to share this with other people because it was so helpful for me I could see how fired
1: up you are. And I I love when I see you like in this mode. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to say about relationships in the North or about men's work or about open relationships? We covered a lot of ground today.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like I've, I've experienced a little bit of backlash in the open relationship thing. Some people are just so horrified by the idea that they will attack me um, verbally ab- about that and, and put me down and, and say things that are cruel, I guess, because they don't understand it. And it's, it's so, so out of their norm that they feel compelled to to attack. And it happens very rarely, but it has happened a few times. It does make people nervous about about sharing that aspect of themselves. And uh, it's almost like coming out, where you know, it's like coming out as being somebody who's not in the normal stra- stream stream of, of relationship types, and um, and it, it it does make me a little bit cautious sometimes. But I'm becoming more and more where I just don't care. Like, I mean, if I can share who I am to people and they appreciate it, that's that's a, a new connection that I've made with somebody about that, and I, my my community of friends who are. Accepting of this is getting bigger and bigger and um, and that's been really positive for me, but um, I Would say you know don't knee-jerk reaction. Oh, that's terrible like you can say it's not for me but it is it does work very well for some people and um, Having an open mind about it is is a really good place to start.
1: Which is why I'm so grateful that you came and you shared this aspect of your life uh, with me and our listeners today, Mike. Oh, thank you. It's been fun.